Blog Talk Radio. September 25th, 2017 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, and this is where we discuss news, politics, and culture from an American exceptionalist perspective. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and if you run over to the blog today at don'tletitgo.com, you'll see the title, Two Wrongs Make a Big Fat Mess, and it turns out that this two wrongs idea applies to a couple different things that I want to talk about in today's show. One of them is the whole, you want to call it a kerfuffle between the NFL players who are refusing to stand for the anthem. You know, they either kneel or stay in the locker room versus Donald Trump, who has been very vocal about what should happen to players who do this. So that's one scenario that I want to talk about. And then the other is this whole Obamacare versus the Republicans offering up a so-called repeal plan in Graham-Cassidy. We'll talk about both of those. I've got another thing to talk about it as well. We'll see how long the show ends up going. Some of it depends on whether people call in and they want to talk Uh, as well, but we may end up ending a bit early in part because of the third thing I've got to talk to you about today. So, like I said, run to the blog, don'tletitgo.com. If you want to call in and talk, the number is 760-888-5817. And welcome to everyone who's joining me over here at the Blog Talk Radio chat room. Some people are just filing in at the beginning of the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And uh, let's go ahead and dive in. I, you know, I can't really start the show without telling you the little bit of latest news about North Korea. It's oh so pleasant because we have not enough to think about in our lives to hear this. North Korea threatened on Monday to shoot down American warplanes, even if they are not in the country's airspace, as its foreign minister declared that President Trump's threatening comments about the country and its leadership were, quote, a declaration of war. The whole world should clearly remember it was the U.S. who first declared war on our country. They're saying that they are taking Donald Trump's comments as a declaration of war and saying that they have a right to shoot down our warplanes. So just to let you know, if the show gets cut off early and abruptly, you know, I don't have like that nice actual segue out it's because North Korea has blown up California and I'm just out of here okay so I just disclaimer in case the show yeah okay 
that's about how seriously I think we should take that at this point. So what happened again, as I told you with the NFL, first we have a, an increasing number of players refusing to stand for the national anthem at the, you know, at the football games. Sometimes they're kneeling if they're out on the field or sometimes they're in their locker room. There was one team and I can't retain, which I actually don't watch NFL. So I'm pretty ignorant about this. And I'm actually thankful for my friend, Deborah, who educated me about this practice of standing for the anthem, having the players come out and stand for the anthem. It apparently didn't start until 2009. But now there are an increasing number of players who are refusing to do this. And there's been a back and forth between the leadership of the NFL and Donald Trump about it. And uh, yeah, so, so here are the players, right? So what do you think of the players? First of all, let's, let's think about the players. Maybe there's something about this country that you don't like. You're an NFL player. There's something about this country that you don't like. And you think that by not standing for the national anthem, by kneeling or by staying in a locker room, you're protesting that. But you might realize that the thing that you're protesting is something within the country and not really the country itself. And that our country and system, you know, it's, it's still worth showing respect to. So as you know, for what the NFL players are doing, I disagree with it. I think that they are wrong. And yeah, I mean, if I was the head of a team or the head of the NFL, I would say, hey, let's not do this. Now, what you could say, though, is that the entire practice of having the NFL players do this is itself wrong. And then maybe the players could see themselves as protesting the idea that they should be doing this because, as I said, my friend Deborah educated me. She gave me this article. I've put it in the program notes. Go over to the program notes at don'tletitgo.com if you want to see. But apparently... Slate via ESPN and stuff, they revealed that there had been this deal. 2009, we had actual departments of government giving money to the NFL to have what they call sponsored military tributes. Over at this Daily Snark, they say it's from Slate that the Department of the Defense, excuse me, Department of Defense, in a 2015 report was said to have paid $5.4 million to NFL teams between 2011 and 2014 to stage on-field patriotic ceremonies. We're paying the NFL to have on-field patriotic ceremonies. Now, mind you, given the audience for the NFL, it's quite possible that this increase the ratings for NFL as well to have patriotic ceremonies. So we have our government paying the NFL to do things that if they did it on their own, on the free market, it would have done anyway. But yeah, so, you know, should our tax dollars be going here? National Guard apparently shelled out $6.7 million. Uh, That money is our tax dollars, our tax dollars at work here making these phony displays of patriotism, not motivated by the NFL itself. It's an all, you know, government funded venture here. That's, you know, a disturbing thing. So suppose you say, okay, I'm an NFL player 
And I think this is all wrong. I don't know how many of the NFL players were even aware of this. They just knew it was a practice and decided that they didn't want to do it for their other reasons. But even if you disagree with this, nonetheless, I would say, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and stand for the flag. The only time that I would do anything disrespectful to a flag, and I've talked about this before, I've talked about, uh, and with my friend James Valiant, who's been on the show a couple times, if they made it illegal to burn a flag, or if they have some th- kind of thing that anytime there's a national anthem display, you must stand, suppose that Trump was actually going to make it a law that you must then I would find it necessary to go ahead and kneel. But that's not what's going on here. We don't have an actual law in our country telling us that we must honor the flag. Not yet. What we have is a tweet decree, you know, what I'm calling a tweet decree now from Donald Trump that everybody must honor the flag. It's not yet law. If it were law, then I would find it necessary on principle to challenge the law. But otherwise, unless and until it's law, yeah, I think it's lousy what these NFL players are doing. If they want to protest whatever it is that they want to protest, go ahead and do it at a different time. But don't show this sort of, um, you know, and is, is it a respectful protest of the flag or not? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more respectful than, for instance, flag burning, right? And, and Tim Sandifer was saying, well, it is a respectful way of showing protest. You're kneeling down. Yeah, it's not, it's not disrespectful, but still, I would say it's wrong. This is not the way to show a protest for whatever it is that you're showing protest toward. You know, if you're, if you're having this ceremony, I would say go ahead and do it. Um, unless you are, you know, if there's a way to make it super clear that the thing that you're protesting is not the entire country as such, right? Because this is what they're taken as doing. They're, they're taken as not actually being, in effect, patriotic to our country. And I don't think we're at that place yet where our country is so bad. You may not like our president or whatever, but we're, we're not there. So, yeah, I think what they did is wrong. However, the thing that I've made more hay about on Twitter and and elsewhere, and I think the thing that we need to talk about more is Trump's reaction to this, right? Um, What is Trump's reaction to this? Josh in the chat room is saying Trump never should have said anything. Let's look at what he has said. And that's why I put in my program notes a couple particular tweets from him. I put a few that are the ones that I want to focus on because We've talked about this in the past, you know, to what extent should Donald Trump be commenting on people, institutions, journalists, um, newspapers, television outlets? To what extent should he be commenting on the opinions they express, the news stories that they publish it's dicey because you've got, you, you know, this is the president. And if the president is out there commenting, that in and of itself can have a chilling effect. And we'll talk about what I mean when I'm going back into Attack Watch, my criticism of Attack Watch later. That's dicey. But the thing that's clearer to me, you know, where you say, okay, this guy has clearly crossed a line, is when he's telling a sports team, a sports organization, a news outlet, what a policy should be or when they should fire somebody. 
you know, what consequences, bad consequences should happen to somebody because they have expressed an opinion with which Donald Trump disagrees. That's where I think he crosses lines, and I've talked about this in the past. So here are the tweets that I want to just highlight for you guys. One, this was 3.44 a.m. my time. Okay, so this is 6.44 a.m. He was up early yesterday, September 24th. He says, if NFL fans refuse to go to games until players stop disrespecting our flag and country, you will see change take place fast. And then he says, fire or suspend. Now, there was a period between the two. So there's this sentence, fire or suspend. Fire or suspend with an exclamation point comes across as a command. Now, you want to say, okay, it's in the context of the fans refusing to go, but he's still telling them what they should do, that they should fire or suspend these players that disrespect our flag and country. Then he says, sports fans, this is a a different tweet, one minute, no, actually, yeah, 3.25 p.m. the same day, so that's later in the afternoon. He says, sports fans should never condone players that do not stand proud for their national anthem or their country. NFL should change policy, exclamation point. Now that now he's telling the NFL what their policy should be. And what, what should the policy be? Well, something to do with firing or suspending, probably if you're going to take what he said earlier. And then later, actually, no, I guess it's a little bit earlier in the day. Yes, yeah, so this, is, this is one that's earlier that I'm responding to. And the tweet from him that I'm responding to is he says, courageous patriots have fought and died for our great American flag. We must honor and respect it, make America great again. So they died for the flag. You have to honor and respect the flag. We must. Compulsory coming from the president of the United States. And to me, again, it's worrisome if a president says that some action must be taken, something must be done, everybody has to do something. The There's an implicit potential, you know, is he going to do something bad to you, something bad's going to happen to you. If you don't do it, you must do this, in effect, in order to be a, a valid citizen. And what is, you know, what is the flag there for, right? Is it, and also, is it the flag that they died for? It's not the flag. It's not just the symbol. It's what that symbol represents. So as I say in the tweet, no, you know, these courageous patriots, they fought and died for what the flag represents. First country founded on the principle of rights, which includes the right not to honor the flag. It's, I think, important to point this out and to say, no, you know, you can't just kind of stir everybody up into this idea of compulsory patriotism because, yes, we do have a great country, right? Well, I mean, what is my show about? My show is about American exceptionalism, that this is an exceptional country. But where I want to bring the focus is on why this is an exceptional country because I think in all of this, you know, kind of passion around the idea of making America great again, the context of what it is that made America great in the first place is always being dropped and getting all stirred up about just the flag in and of itself disembodied from what it represents is a problem. And I think it was someone 
Oh, actually, someone commented over on my blog at don'tletitgo.com already and said what he should have done, what Trump should have done is say, yes, okay, they have the right to do this, but then also people have the right to boycott and do everything else. You, You know, here's Trump out there talking about they should change their policy. I would say, yeah, I mean, you know, as a private citizen, I feel like I should tell them they should change their policies. They should change it back to what they did before. They should give all the money back to these government entities, and they should not, you know, make this an issue of politics. Make sports sports. And yeah, you know, if they want to go ahead and have the national anthem there for the fans, good. But don't have the team players go out there and do a platform. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through some of my comments about this because, but you'll you'll see, you know how how this ends up how this ends up going. Uh, it's only since 2009. Oh, let me tell you one more thing. So there's one other thing that Trump did, and it wasn't a, a tweet. It was a comment that he made at a live rally, and I forget where I got this link. I don't think I gave it any sort of a um, any hat tip or anything. Let me. Pause the sound in my ear. Okay, NFL star Tom Brady from Fox News Insider. I probably just got it from Fox on Twitter. NFL star Tom Brady supported Donald Trump in the election, but split with the president over his comments on players taking a knee during the national anthem to protest racism in America. Okay, so racism. I've heard it, you know, they're protesting the police, all kinds of different things that they think they're protesting. Here's a quote from Trump at an Alabama rally on Friday night. Quote, wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now. He is fired. End quote. Trump said that at a rally. So he is saying that if somebody does a certain thing with respect to making their you know, statement, whatever it is, that they should be fired. Now, he's couching it. Wouldn't you love to see this? But here's a president saying what he thinks should happen to somebody because of an expression of an opinion, however stupid you think it is. Right? So, in any event, um, we've got this little war going. And, yeah, I think that... Both sides are wrong, but the thing that I am more concerned with in this context is Donald Trump. And let me run over because I'm going to pick up my my f- whole Facebook feed on this. So it turns out my Facebook is blowing up as we speak. Let's see if it's still back on the other thing. What is this here? Yeah, okay, so let's go back. Okay, so, you know, I put out on Facebook my response to Trump about the courageous patriots know what they dot, you know, fought and died for is the first country founded on the principle of rights, and that principle encompasses this. Now, he says, uh, excuse me, let, me, let me tell you. So David comments, he says, we fought for the flag, not for some attenuated interpretation of somebody, what somebody thinks it means. An attenuated interpretation. So my interpretation is an attenuated interpretation 
of what somebody thinks it means. So it, it doesn't stand for our country, and our country is not the first country founded on the principle of individual rights, and that principle doesn't include the right not to – where am I wrong, and where is that attenuated? He says, this, the players are spoiled brats. I won't watch their little puppet dance anymore. I mean, I don't watch it. I think they're wrong, but I think also Trump is wrong and that it is worrisome that our Trump does this. I mean, that our Trump does this. Our president does this. Jordan uh, says, he says, like you said in the above comment, both Trump and the Copernic Copernic followers are in the wrong. Makes it a tough situation to comment on. I'm irritated at all parties, the players, the teams who endorse it, the league who condones it, the nationalists who too simply criticize it, and Trump, who is now weighing in from the bully pulpit. And my position, I say, the one who is most dangerous potentially, of course, is Trump. And then I have friends who disagree and say, no, what is more dangerous is the spread of postmodernism and cultural Marxism, which has taken over the media, Hollywood, the universities, and now sports. Now, I'm looking at this particular situation which is this protest and now I don't know if this friend uh, who commented on it had seen the thing about how this has been going on only since 2009 it was because our government was paying for these displays that puts it in a little bit of a different context right where this is not really the spread of cultural Marxism that you might think it is as much as Now what do we have? We have the government almost setting up this opportunity for a very attenuated version of cultural Marxism to be on display in in a sports event, right, in a sporting event. So in this, you know, what what I'm actually seeing going on here is, is what's going on with the NFL, how alarming is that, that they're out there kneeling, and, and I don't think it's, I disagree with it, but I don't think it's, like scary in some way or anything, especially given the context of they're being paid to do this and it's this policy mandatory and their sports figures and stuff. I, I, I just don't see that it is that dangerous. And of course, it's also in a context, right? This is, you know, NFL, where a lot of the audience going to counter it on their own, right? So, What's more dangerous in this context, Trump weighing in or them doing what they're going to do, which could easily be countered by market forces or by getting government out of the entire situation? Anyway, so uh, so there's that. Uh, somebody, I, I guess we'll call him Rogan. We'll go ahead and name him because it's on a public post. He says, I've lost all perspective. He says, you've really lost all perspective on this issue and others, Amy. Trump's tweet and opinion is more threatening than Obama's attempt to organize a government. Because I said it's more threatening attack watch. It's more threatening even than attack watch. He says Trump's tweet and opinion is more threatening than Obama's attempt to organize a government-funded, government-sanctioned national effort to report on thought crimes. Really? That's such an absurd context-dropping statement. It could have come from a Democrat Party activist or an Antifa supporter. Trump tweeted an opinion with no legal force behind it, just as other presidents, senators, and congressmen and women have always done regarding topical issues as they are doing about this very issue. And then he says, add to that, Trump is right. Players are violating NFL rules. You know, again, NFL rules, that's in the context of the 2009. 
And then there's a debate about here what is more dangerous. Um, and I had to come back in and, and again say, what what is it that's more dangerous? Do I think that postmodernism is somehow not dangerous? I still think government government and government power is potentially a lot more dangerous than anything you can have going on in the culture. I mean, why is postmodernism such a threat too? Again, government has enabled, propped up the funding of the stupid postmodernists in the university. It is an entire racket made possible by government, as was this display, right? This display, the genesis of it was our government paying for displays of patriotism at the place. I think it just shows you that the most potentially dangerous actor in these situations is government. Why? Because Rand has talked about it. It's got a legal monopoly on the use of force. It is taking our tax dollars and nudging everybody to behave in certain ways, which can only be terrible because it's not people behaving as they would apart from government intervention. Anyway, so here's my response to this, and this is really the the crux of the issue. Trump tweeting, and I would add to that, or speaking about what should happen to people who say things he disagrees with is more potentially dangerous than what's going on with the NFL. Trump has all the power that Obama amassed at his disposal, and fewer people are likely to question him because he's, quote, pro-American. Yes, and I'm you know, saying it earlier in the show, the, net, the NFL players are wrong, but my first concern is for freedom of expression and perceived threats to it. And I ask Antifa, Democratic Party activists, you know, really, am I being called these things? I, I don't say those things about the people on the opposite side. I'm always addressing the comments. I don't call them names. I don't lump them in with horrible folks. And here I am. I'm being lumped in with a bunch of horrible anti-American people. And sorry, I just don't think it's fair. Um, and so what do I say here? I'm really tired of being called a leftist for standing up for principles and calling things as I see them, which I'm always going to do. And Gary, who commented on this thread, is right. Robert is Robert Nasir is right on when he says the real milk toast are the people now claiming we need to do a better job working with read appeasing the pragmatists and the anti anti ideologues, the conservatives, the president, Christianity in general, anyone and everyone else willing to fight the left and Islam. I'm I'm not going to just go along to get along because these people are fighting the left and, and fighting Islam. I think that is wrong. Now, Mary adds, you know, they should be on their knees in gratitude for all America's given them. Yes, that's fine. Um, that's true. But nonetheless, we need to stand up against perceived or not perceived. I mean, actual potential threats to freedom of expression. And I share the idea of others that even when Trump is expressing opinions about news coverage, that that in and of itself is chilling and perhaps inappropriate for a president. But surely when he is saying that certain negative consequences should be, befall people who express certain opinions, either through their actions like kneeling or through publishing certain news articles or expressing certain opinions and, and whatever, it's that that makes me think 
that he has crossed a line. Richard says, you know, but Trump surely doesn't mean that they fought for a piece of cloth. And I reply, of course, yeah, no, sure. He doesn't mean just the piece of cloth. He knows that there's something else, but he doesn't ever want to say exactly what else is behind it. And my point that I make here is, yes, but he's not animated by any clear idea of what that flag stands for. And you have to ask, you know, what does that flag actually stand for? Am I giving you an attenuated interpretation of what the flag stands for, that we have this principle of rights, which includes the right to say a bunch of horrible, stupid things. These guys, you can say they're completely wrong. I would say they're wrong. I would say that I sort of understand some of the reasons that they're doing what they're doing, given the fact that this policy was foisted on them so recently and that it's a product of government funding, but that's, for me, why it would make sense. And I don't even know if those NFL players understand that entire context. So if all they do, you know, if they think, oh, well, by kneeling, I'm, you know, protesting racism. Yeah, I think that's pretty dumb and and not good and I wouldn't support it, but I don't watch the NFL anyway. I don't. I watch it sometimes. Super Bowl parties are fun. I watch it sometimes. I just don't have time. It's, It's not a priority. But, you know, Yeah, definitely boycott. Uh, Now, he says, he says, yes, well, it's not ideal that this is Richard responding to me. It's not ideal that Trump doesn't have any clear idea of what the flag stands for. He says it's not ideal, but he is at least still standing for it, which is better than nothing. And that's really the question, right? Is it really better that he's at least standing for the flag? That it, is, it, is it better than nothing? And that's where I tend to disagree, right? Because he's standing for it. At the same time, he's undermining the principle on which it's based. If this was just, you know, some sort of empty, shallow parroting of the correct words, like suppose we all decided, and again, we'd have to have the wine and the beer, and I'd want to bring in some of, uh, you know, my friends, who have, you know, sort of, like I said, the the stronger view, which is that Trump really shouldn't be out there even expressing opinions about the journalism at all, that really then you start getting that chilling effect. Bring those people in, have me where I'm like, okay, I can see that, but for sure we don't want him talking about people, you know, getting fired and everything. And then let's bring in, you know, Richard and other people who say, well, it's at least good that he's saying that people should honor the flag, right? At least it's good that he said that. Let's all sit there and have the beer and the wine. And here's the question. If if this is just him saying, okay, honor the flag, everybody should honor the flag and, you know, um, you know, we'll see what happens when people boycott the games and that's it, right? He's not expressing that they should be fired. He's not telling the NFL they should change policy, but he's saying, you know, it's really too bad that these NFL players are disrespecting the flag of our great country. Suppose that's all he says, right? And it's empty because he really doesn't understand what the flag stands for. Suppose that's all he does. Maybe that's okay. Maybe that, you know, maybe it's even good, right? Because at least he is pro-American versus anti. But let me explain what I mean by Trump undermining the 
entire principle on which it's based in this context. As I said, the context is he's calling for something bad to be done to these people because of their expression of opinion. And so what he's doing, because he's president and because the president today, unfortunately, has the power to do things to the NFL, he could even you know, through the pen and the phone or whatever it is, is going to talk to IRS. IRS has audited people with whom they disagree, right? Um, There is a context right now in which when someone in the government expresses disapproval for what you're saying, and in particular, if the person in the government says that negative things should happen to you, that bad things should happen to you because of an opinion that you've expressed, there's this slight possibility of a threat behind that. Trump has the power to do things about this. And you say, oh, well, he's never going to. He's just shooting his mouth off and the blah, 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 blah. Uh, I have not seen that. In different contexts, he is more than happy to either, you know, perpetuate violations of our rights by government or institute more of them, for example, in trade policy and stuff. I Will I would be worried if, and someday, who knows, you know, I don't know if I'll get big enough where he's actually going to pay attention to me. There's a danger. You know, you go out there and you keep criticizing this guy that something might happen to you. Richard here says he disagrees that Trump, you know, that Trump is undermining the principle. He, true, he doesn't explicitly say life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, but he also doesn't explicitly say statism, statism, statism. No, he doesn't. And again, Richard That is not my point. And this is not the Richard from Australia in the show. This is a different Richard. Um, He doesn't have to explicitly say statism, statism, statism for it to have the chilling effect. Again, my concern is freedom of expression that in this country, we have the freedom to express our opinion uh, without any threat of initiation of force from government, any threat of censorship from government. And Trump is out there tweeting like this, there is this little implicit threat of censorship. Trump has the power to do things with respect to the NFL to make sure that his policy recommendations happen or to nudge them in that direction, make their life a little less pleasant if they don't listen, right? Deborah, like I said, she commented in here and she says, you realize this is only since 2009 and whatever, and um, thank you, Deborah, for educating all of us about this. And she says that the article also points out that players have still remained, remained seated rather than standing ever since 2009 unless ordered to stand by their coaches or owners. Until CK, I guess Copernic, right, Copernic, no one complained about those who sat, probably no one who ever noticed. Or is it the comedian CK? That might be who she means. Anyway, so then... You know, here's when I come in and make this realization, right? It seems now what our government has done is provide through that funding, through that attempt to create these fake patriotism displays, it has provided a spotlight or platform for these losers to make their quote statement about racism. And this is again proving the point. Government is more potentially dangerous than the other wrong creeps. Government's taking our tax dollars, sets up this whole dumb, dumb situation and allows for this display of cultural Marxism, postmodernism, whatever else you want to call it, at 
a sports event. It's revulsifying. It really is. Deborah adds, she says, we all are tweak now. Trump has a temper fit. The players counter with their own temper fit. The Trump supporters get triggered and rally to his side. The players double down and refuse to show up to the White House. And it's all so much BS. The POTS got five draft <laughs> referrals. Our, our president, I guess, I don't, I'd have to look this up. I haven't looked up his history. She said five draft deferrals to avoid fighting to defend those ideas makes a mockery of them by taking his imperious tone and ordering the NFL to fire them as if. And, and she says, and his loyalists claim that they are defending liberty when they refuse to watch. I've been audience to more mature battles between my children when they were toddlers. And, and this is the thing, this idea of stirring everybody up into this war, you almost wonder what it is that they're masking. Then I'm accused by Scott of, purposefully misunderstanding somebody I do not like. And this is where I bring in this, this comparison to attack watch for those who haven't heard me talk about attack watch or remind you guys of attack watch before attack watch was the website set up by Obama supporters. And, and the premise was that if you saw somebody publishing a, an untrue attack of Obama, something unfair, untrue about him, then you are supposed to report that to this site. So everybody is supposed to report everybody else and tell on them for saying wrong things about Obama. That's all it supposedly was, right? But at the time, those on the right wing, a lot of the people who I'm sure are supporting Donald Trump and doing what he's doing now, right? People at the time, it was beautiful to be on Twitter at the time. And there's this whole, if you go on YouTube and you search Attack Watch, I'm sure you can find the like the counter video, the real protest. It was so funny. It's like, Attack Watch. And then they you know, talk about all this, just making fun of these Obama supporters and making fun of this whole site, just lampooning it. Why? Because what Obama was doing out there was, this implicit threat. This was in the context where the IRS had this power to go after people and Obama's got the pen and the phone and everything else. Remember, Trump has all of that power now at his disposal. This is the same idea, you know, and and you could say, okay, well, Trump doesn't even need to have all this stuff in the background. Trump's got all the power that Obama has amassed and He's going out explicitly exposing everybody and putting the fear into everybody by tweeting about them. You know, all these NFL guys, they're like, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to get an IRS audit or something. Now, maybe they're not, but they believe it can happen. Why? Because it's happened in the past under Obama. And, you, you know, Trump, in a way, it's, it's more dangerous, right? Because everybody saw Obama's attack watch as this self-serving thing that was just going to help him get reelected, but nobody sees what Trump is doing as that at all. They see it as, you know, Trump's doing it for America, right? It's, it's, it's just this, you know, patriotic thing for our country, putting America first and nobody's going to dare to challenge him because if I challenge Trump, I mean, damn, I'm as bad as Antifa, Right. I might as well just be a democratic supporter or communist or postmodernist, whatever, because I dare to challenge the practice of a 
president saying what bad things should happen to people if they express an opinion that he doesn't like. And, you know, yes, it is an anti-patriotic opinion or it's, a, it's critical of the country. Okay, but people are allowed to criticize the country here. And as I said, if they make it illegal to burn a flag, that'll be the one and only time James Valiant and I are going to have a big old flag burning ceremony and cry about it at the same time in San Diego. We're going to do it if we have to, if we have to. And you call us what you want, but what we're standing up for is the principle. And, um, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm just going to continue to, to call it as I see it. Uh, if you go over to the blog, Again, at, at don'tletitgo.com. I'm back over there again. I inserted a little graphic. It's from Brainy Quotes. And you've heard this quotation. It's often attributed to Voltaire, but apparently it's really originated from a woman named Evelyn Beatrice Hall. Kick-ass woman, if I ever saw it, right? Because she says, I do not agree with what you have to say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. And as the, uh, the, the, the token feminist, I got the label misattributed to me by Tucker Carlson. I may as well just say, well, it figures that a woman would be the one to originate this quote. And it figures that here I am you know, out here saying this stuff and catching all the hell. But that's okay. It's fine. It's, it's, it's part of life. So, yeah, I'm going to keep calling things as I see them. And I do think that what Trump is doing here is more of a danger. And now I'm finding myself with allies on the left, or even, like I said, some of the smarter people on the right. We've got Tom Brady at least calling out Trump's comments and saying they're divisive. It would be better if he'd say that they're chilling and that maybe it's inappropriate for Trump to call for bad things to happen to people because of opinions that they express but it, it's a start. Um, I've got a number of people who are also disturbed by this. I was also happy to see that Ben Shapiro, he realizes, look, you can say that the NFL players were wrong, and you can also say that Trump was wrong to do this. There's no contradiction in saying both of those things, and, and that's what I'm saying here. When we do, we have a huge mess, and not surprisingly, thanks to Deborah, we learn that this mess was probably started as well because of an action of government stealing our money, giving it to the NFL, thinking they're going to make some shows of patriotism, which in and of itself is wrong. And now what have they done? They've provided a platform for this garbage. I'm going to go ahead and take a quick little musical interlude if I can get back over to my studio and I'll be right back. I'm going to take a call. Okay, everyone, I am back, and I've had a caller who's been patiently waiting to get on for a while here. I'm going to go ahead and take it. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hi, um, my name's Eric. I live in the People's Republic of Washington. 
Awesome. Uh, Welcome. Forgive me if I have to try to figure out, I mean, not figure out, but try to straighten out everything I was trying to think of while waiting. <laughs> yeah, no um, worries. And, of course, I keep adding layers and layers to the argument. So you think, you know, you you know exactly what oh, you yeah. want to say, and then I say something else and you change it. Yeah, no, I, I understand. Um, oh, and I'm totally, I, I mean, I'm totally on both sides of this argument. I mean, I, I served in the military. I do think we should respect our flag because it means it's not a flag. It is a symbol, like you said earlier, but Trump is going about this all wrong. He is actually doing the exact same thing that President Obama did that we were all pissed off at. Well, a lot of us were all pissed off. I shouldn't use total generalities. But he, when, when President Obama told people to not go spend their money in Las Vegas, I mean, that was insane. And Oh, wow, I forgot that actually, and he went after Rush Limbaugh, a private citizen who has a radio show that says things that Obama doesn't like. And right. he wanted him actually he wanted to get him fired. Yeah. So that's kind of the way Trump is actually going right now and I'm missing the days when the president was not a daily part of our lives. You know, back when we might see something about the president on the six o'clock news that came on once a day. Or something like that. But I will tell you, this whole kneeling thing started with Colin Kaepernick or whatever is, however you pronounce his name. That's that's the CK your other person was referring to. Okay, because it is Colin. I was I was thinking of Louis CK, the comedian, for a second. I know. That's 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 right. my CK context. I don't watch NFL. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I honestly I don't watch NFL either, which is why it sucks that I actually know any of this. But um, he, it's, it's he, he good started to know. this it's kneeling good to know. down. Oh. No, I mean, it, it, <laughs> he it, it, started it's all this kneeling down because of the uh, the national anthem within it contains a uh, verse that says something about slaves or slavery. You know, they they include slaves in the national anthem, and so he refuses to stand for the national anthem. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for one thing, it takes it totally out of context. It displays a vast amount of ignorance in our country and doesn't take into account the fact that as a black man making millions of dollars playing football, you know, <laughs> that's, it's a game. Nobody, you know, nobody. Yeah. That, okay. But. Now, one, one thing I'll say, because I had read some articles about this maybe a couple of years ago. Those football players put themselves at tremendous risk. You've heard about the long-term brain damage, et cetera, that some of them end up yeah. with. So it is it is sort of a high-risk profession, and, yes, they have tremendous skill and athleticism. So I'm not going to go down the road of saying, oh, they shouldn't get paid uh, well, what they're paid. Sorry. I'm not going to do that. It. No, I get it. Under Under capitalism, yes. They can draw millions of people to spend money on them, and so they make their money. I, I get yeah. that. It's just yep. – anyway. Um, now, you see, that's where I was losing my train of thought because I had something else. I, but, no, that, that, that was my main point. Well, I just wish Trump could – I know he's busy. You know he's busy. He's the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Where is he getting this time to pay attention to any of this crap and tweet about it? I, well, if but I found I think, out he I had some dude tweeting that. for him, that'd be great. You know. 
Well, but he sees that as part of his job. And, you know, I think he does it fairly quickly and he does it at odd hours of the day. I mean, he might be, you know, in a car on his way to do something. And, and True. You, I'm not I am not necessarily against the president tweeting or, you know, making some sorts of brief statements on Twitter. I do think that Trump has crossed the line and used it in incorrect ways sometimes. So. I did just realize something I was going to say about that. Thank you for reminding me because Mm -hmm. I think I I like Donald Trump as a person, as a businessman. I mean, I've read his books or some, I mean, I've read some of his books and the books he wrote with Robert Kiyosaki, but as president, he hasn't figured out yet that he's not just, you know, the guy that he was, you know, a couple years ago. He wants to tweet things as if he's one of us bitching to our friends on Facebook or Twitter the same, you know, the same way. And he can't do that. Well, he does do that, but he shouldn't do that because yeah, it's, it's, he's it's coming really, from a different platform. Well, okay, yeah, this is the thing. It's, it's a really fine line to me. I mean, and here are the two conflicting sides of it. So one is, and I've talked about this. I don't know, Eric, if you've been following the show for a while, but my show has, was inspired by an essay that Ayn Rand wrote called Don't Let It Go. And she's talking about the American sense of life. And one of the things that she points out as part of the unique American sense of life is that we, while we have respect for our public figures, including politicians and actors and, you know, famous scientists and entrepreneurs like Steve Jobs, you know, we have respect for them, but nonetheless, we feel like we can interact with them as equals. Right. And right. So one thing that I like about Donald Trump tweeting is that we can interact with him as an equal, and he is seeing himself sort of as one of us on the same platform that everybody can be on, all expressing their opinion. On the, one, on, on the other hand, when a president expresses an opinion on Twitter, it's he can't just do it as an average citizen. And... Where right. do you draw the, you know where do you draw the line in terms of what's appropriate for him to say on Twitter versus others? Now you know for example, I worked for the Air Force Academy for a long time, uh, not a long time, but three years. And um, okay. when you either you know are in the military or if you actually work for the Department of Defense in some capacity, there are certain things that you agree not to do while you're employed there in terms of expressing opinions about things. And, you know, it's more, it's more so for people who are actually enlisted in the military or officers. Yeah, you can't go protest in uniform. Right, right. So you you can't go walk a picket line while you're wearing your dress blues. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and I couldn't, I could not do this podcast for example, when I was working True. at the Air Force Academy, that would have been contrary to department rules. Yeah. Now, that's something I wanted to I, – I, I was thinking of, too, is when it comes to the NFL itself, regardless – Trump telling them to do stuff is I, – I literally think is just a football fan being pissed off and blowing steam. That's really how I look at it. He's the president. He shouldn't do that. But yes. when it comes to the NFL internally – I do think they can control what their employees do. When you are an employee in a business, you do not have a right to free speech within the confines of your employment. 
No, no, that's of course. Why, yeah. That's why yeah. women get fired all the time from any various number of jobs because they pose in Playboy or something. Yeah. You know, a cop, I mean, what a I would, what cop I would, poses in Playboy, she gets fired, you know. Right. No, what I, what I would do if I was NFL is I would stop this whole madness, give all the money back to the government, and stop having the players participate in the opening ceremony that has the national anthem. Just leave them in the locker room. True. And Absolutely. then, you know, you're not because because you don't want to lose a player. It, it's probably the case that the players that are a little more rebellious and think for themselves are going to be some really good players. You don't even want to set up a situation where, you know, you're going to uh, fire them for some reason that is not important. Now, yeah, you know, fire you them mean, because they're not listening to the quarterback and they're doing their own thing or, you know, whatever it is. They don't listen to the coach. Okay, fine. But if it's something about politics that isn't essential to their job, just don't even create that opportunity for rebellion. Well, I think that'd be a great way to just end this would be, yes. I mean, it, you know, regardless of just going back to whatever, let them play the national anthem and all. But, yes, just lock the football players in until it's done. <laughs> lock her because, in. Let them do whatever they want in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because look at, look at what you have, had the other day where – the entire Steelers football team, as I understand it, melt except for one player. And the Steelers were getting booed. I mean, I'm surprised they stayed to play the game. But, you know, but one player stood, and people love him now. And I don't – I wish I remembered his name. Like, I, I, don't, I wish I remembered which one. Somebody else would because they're football fans. But, right. no, I just – yeah, this, a lot of this could be handled just by stopping the situation. The, the coaches, the owners – they know that this stuff is about to happen. All they have to do is just not allow the, the the players out of the locker room until the national anthem is over. Done deal. Come out, yep. get on the field, play the game. That's yep. all we want. I agree. So. <laughs> I I agree, Eric. I think that would be the best thing. I'm going to let you go because I'm going to go on to yep. the other pair of wrongs that I have to discuss today. But I thank you for calling into the show. Hopefully you'll talk to us again. Thanks, Amy. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks. Take care. Okay, so let's run over to the blog at don'tletitgo.com and and thanks Eric for calling in. So funny, I was I was about to sigh and I, in addition to earlier, I even forgot somebody had told me on my thread on Facebook that if their friend who had lost a son in Afghanistan had seen my tweet that this friend who had lost the son would punch my teeth out or something like that. Wow. I wanted to wake up to that. And then I had another friend who I think is sympathetic to my general message, but said, you sigh too much. You're, you, you need to kind of change your tone because it's sometimes too negative. I, I told you the way I am versus your own. Yeah. You know, your own is kind of like nonstop positive, Mr. Optimist. And I am the struggling optimist. That is me. That is who I am. You're going to hear me sigh sometimes. And sometimes when I'm sighing, people, this is, you know, behind the scenes. Sometimes when I'm sighing, I'm collecting my thoughts, too. So don't tell them anyway I said that. Okay. So I should sigh now because now I have to collect my thoughts and go on to the next topic. Next topic is another place where we have two wrongs. Oh, let me raise one more issue because I had a friend who raised this issue and I thought it was just worth talking about right now most people I think who are listening to this show would agree that those NFL players who are kneeling and stuff they're 
they're probably wrong. I gave you a little theory by which maybe I could understand kneeling while they're playing the national anthem and stuff. You're, suppose you knew about this whole racket that was set up in 2009 with the government paying for these displays and you were going to protest that idea and you were also just, you know, kind of protesting actual things about the country in general versus just racism. You know, suppose there was some substance to it, but in general, I don't believe that those guys have a real reason to be doing this and I, it's wrong and I, don't, I, I would stand and, you know, put my hand over my heart for the anthem and respect the flag and all of those things. I would. So they're wrong. Nonetheless, don't you believe that it's even more important to be vigilant about protecting the free speech rights of those with whom we disagree as with the Evelyn Beatrice Hall quote. That's why I pulled it out. People do find it easier to defend those people with whom they agree. And I've been, you know, a big fan of Snowden and talking about, you know, defending him and his defense and went to Miami to help Ilian Gonzalez because I thought, yes, he should be able to stay here in this country. Sometimes at least it is more important to defend the right of those with whom we disagree. And I think that's particularly too with freedom of expression because freedom of expression is something where the right can be eroded away and it seems plausible to do so. And I, and I think, again, the danger is particularly acute in this context where everyone is seeing Donald Trump as the one who is going to make America great again, that if you disagree with his view about these NFL players, that you are somehow not patriotic or you're anti-American in some way, or you're as bad as Antifa or whatever, that, that's the kind of pressure that I have. You, if, if that's your view, that if, that if I'm standing up for the NFL players in this context, then you're less likely to be vigilant about the perceived attacks on free speech. Again, I, would, I want to go back to those same people and say, where were you with Obama's attack watch? There's this implicit threat behind those types of statements and actions by presidents. And you, you know, can't help but just feel a little bit intimidated by it. Even if you keep doing it, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. But in my mind, I sort of know there might be a cost to this at some point. And it makes me pause just a little bit. And that's a chilling effect. That's what it is. Do the thought experiment for yourself. Did Obama's attack watch give you pause in the slightest? If so, maybe realize that that's what Trump's actions are doing as well. And that it's important to, to speak out against them, you know, against Trump's actions, even if you also disagree with the NFL players. Now we get to go into healthcare, where we really have another two big wrongs. We have on the one hand Obamacare, which we've talked about ad nauseum on this show, and Obamacare is collapsing. It is showing a tremendous danger of collapsing into a rush to single payer, right? All of the Democrats are just waiting, and it was designed probably to behave in nearly or exactly this way. It's always hard to know when you introduce 50 million, and yes, I'm exaggerating, 
50 million different interventions into the economy at one time. If you introduce all of them, it's the butterfly effect. You don't know exactly how it's going to collapse. You just know it's going to collapse at some point. And you also know that at that point, the underlying altruism in the culture, the, the underlying belief that healthcare is a right, and oh my gosh, we have to do something to save it, that that's going to create a rush to single payer, to socialized medicine now. So that's on the one side, Obamacare. And then on the other side is these various abortive repealed attempts. It's fun to call a Republican attempt to repeal, call it abortive, just to associate them with abortion, which is something that they don't like. Not that I love abortion, but the right to choose abortion I do. So there we go. We'll call it abortive. It, it was just an inadvertent slip, but I'll own it. Okay. Republican health care bill revised to target key votes. That's the latest that I've heard published today by CNN. And I started to read this article and essentially what they've done here is they've added in some little bribes to the various senators who are the holdouts. So let me just read to you a, you know, kind of what they've done to this. The new version helps Alaska, says one of the subheads. In an important nod to Murkowski, a senator from Alaska, Lisa Murkowski, says the revised bill says, Native Americans and Alaska Natives enrolled in Medicaid expansion prior to 2020, so they've got all this time to enroll, could continue to be eligible after that point, according to documents circulated Sunday night to senior Senate aides and obtained by CNN. The state's sizable Native population and the group's unique health needs has been a serious concern. So you could see, it's like, you know, give me something. And when they talk about that they're going to get extra funds for this Medicaid expansion in Alaska. That's coming out of your and my pocket, all the people who don't live in Alaska. This is a sort of wheeling and dealing that's going on behind the scenes. So they're taking something that we know is already a mess. Why? Because it's going to include some sort of coverage for pre-existing conditions. Otherwise, um, Trump has said he's not going to sign it. Yeah, it's going to be mangled and it's all bureaucratic and everything else, but it's there in this. That's what the block grants, I guess, are going to be conditioned on or whatever. Um, they're adding layers. They're adding extra bribes. Saying one new provision, particularly beneficial to Alaska, the state would receive a 25% boost in federal matching funds for Medicaid due to its defined high level of poverty. So that's another provision, and it applies to Alaska and other states as well. A 25% boost in federal matching funds for Medicaid due to its defined high level of poverty. So then everyone's going to be, you know, wheeling and dealing to see, you know, whether that state has a, you know, defined high level of poverty. They're all going to be falling all over each other to have a high, you know, defined high level of poverty. They're going to go, you know, go out and seek a whole lot of people to report their level of income. You can just imagine all the disgusting stuff that's going to go on because of this legislation. And they say, speaking of Medicaid expansion, the newest version of the bill gives Medicaid expansion states that expanded the program after 2015 additional federal dollars. So listen to that. Kasich and um, Christie from New Jersey, these I'm sorry, they're scumbags. Um, 
they were eager early adopters of the Medicaid expansion. And the Medicaid expansion is, it's been, at least in my opinion, I've always seen it as this Trojan horse within Obamacare to get as many people as possible into the single-payer framework through Obamacare. And these so-called Republicans, Kasich and Christie, early adopters, and then when they're you know, campaigning and trying to become president of the United States, they're bragging about how great their state budgets are. And the reason their state budgets were in such good shape is because they were getting paid off to do the Medicaid. Real scumbag. Sorry, guys. Um, just bad guys who did this. And now they're going to get rewarded. They're going to get rewarded in this Graham Cassidy. So the scumbags who are already scumbags are going to get rewarded more under this. So have, have I read enough to just let you know, states can design their own rules and blah, blah, blah. There's going to have a little bit more freedom, but nonetheless, there's all of these counterintuitive incentives that we've already read about. Pre-existing conditions have been a flashpoint is one of the headings from CNN. The new proposal has already sparked fresh concerns about the way people with pre-existing conditions would be treated. It would make it even easier for states to change the rules because they would not have to apply for waivers so long as they describe how they would provide, quote, adequate and affordable coverage for individuals with medical histories. So, yes, there's still coverage for pre-existing conditions. It's hidden under some layers and it's a little attenuated, but it is maintained. And so long as they're including a mandate that within our health insurance system, they provide this so-called coverage, then we're still on the road to socialized medicine. It, it raises an issue, and I don't, I'm not going to take time to talk about this today, but I want to keep it in our minds because this is something we need to think about as time goes on. Suppose this passes. I don't know if it's got a chance of passing or not. I know there's at least two holdouts that are still there, but this particular latest version, they keep throwing in new provisions and you know, is it really necessary that they vote within six days or not? Ted Cruz says it's not, that that's a bogus deadline, that they can always do a budget reconciliation and, you know, do it on a party line, strict party line. They don't need 60 votes, et cetera. Are they going to get something like this passed? If they do, then everyone's going to say, oh, look, we went back to a free market model. We tried a free market model with Graham Cassidy, and it's going to fail. You know it's going to fail. It's going to bomb. It's going to create all sorts of horrible disincentives for anything good. It's, like I said, the states are all going to be falling all over themselves to show how poor everybody in their state is so that they can get that extra bump up in the amount of money. And everyone's going to be stealing from everybody else, and they're going to say, oh, well, Alaska got the special nod this year, and then, you know, from each according uh, to his ability to each according to his need, we really need, need, need. It's going to go on and on, right? So we're going to be cannibalizing each other. It's going to fail. And when it does, and they say, you know, oh, we tried free market, is it going to matter that it was a Republican Congress and Senate and president who put this through. Richard, who called last Friday and was talking to me for some time, was saying, oh, everybody forgets that in history. Like, for example, that Reagan was the one who required that emergency rooms treat people, you know, regardless of their ability to pay, that that mandate was put in under Reagan. 
Do people remember that? Does it mean anything? And yes, it means something to people who care, people like you and I. It means something to thinking people. It means something to people like Obama who can throw it into a speech and say, oh, people on both sides of the aisle approve of this kind of thing. So yeah, I think it does matter that the thing that comes out of an attempt to repeal Obamacare when you've got it with a Republican president, a Republican majority in the House and the Senate, that what is done by them matters. And then the question is, is this really something that you should support? It is a mess. It's going to create a mess. Like I said, it is rewarding the scumbags who jumped onto the Medicaid expansion, the early and eager adopters of the Medicaid expansion. It is rewarding those states, those governors further. It's truly revulsifying. It really is. And and it's creating an incentive for more people to jump into that Medicaid expansion. It's creating an incentive for more people to jump into a single payer program. I don't see that it's any better. I, I don't see that I would support it if I was there. You guys can tell me what you want. I mean, we can talk also in in a future show. I don't know if they're going to pass it before the next show or not. Let me go over to the chat room and see if anybody's got an opinion about this. Justine says, yes, states rushing to see who can have the most poverty. Disgusting. They do the same thing with respect to education, Uh, with regard to federal reimbursement for education. It creates weird perverse incentives for states to show that their students don't perform well or something so that they can get more money. It's, it is ridiculous. Josh says, I want the individual mandate gone. Maybe the individual mandate will be gone, but a bunch of other things. But he says, yeah, crony deal. It's, it's definitely a crony deal. It's revulsifying to see them throw out there these little carrots for, you know, what people like Murkowski, who's, who's a holdout, try to bribe her. Yeah. Wish they'd make the promise, the same promise with the PPACA, like your doctor, keep your doctor. They say average family rates are going to go down 2500 a year. It's nice that the rates would go down, et cetera, but at what cost? And what, you know, with the with the Medicaid now, I think they're introducing along with this expansion to get more people on the Medicaid rolls, they're also introducing an individual cap on Medicaid. So let me see this here. It says um, the analysis that they've done on this revision so far doesn't address the overhaul of the Medicaid program. This is the CNN article again. The overhaul of the Medicaid program, open-ended entitlement program to a per-person cap. So imagine that the incentive is to get everybody ushered into Medicaid and then a per-person cap on that, which is rationing, you're worth only so much to your country and suddenly you're on you're in the single pair system. It is ridic. Ridiculous. So, um our healthcare system is in a bad way. I don't see that anything is good going to come out of this. Two wrongs make one big fat mess in healthcare as with that whole NFL versus Trump kerfuffle. Now, what is you know, part of my stake in this, I mean, not not really. Everybody's got their own stake because everybody's got their stuff. But I had promised on Friday I'd put in the program notes I was going to talk a little bit about this issue of Hashimoto's. And the only reason I can talk about Hashimoto's, which is 
a it's a condition of thyroid. So a lot of people have thyroid issues, but Hashimoto's is a particular one in which someone's immune system is attacking the thyroid gland and that results in all sorts of fluctuations in thyroid hormones and eventually it results in the thyroid underperforming and you have to take supplements and it's it's a mess. Um, The reason I'll talk about it just a little bit is just to make you aware that it, it exists, that there is this thing called Hashimoto's, that it's quite prevalent depending on the stats that you look out as many as 20% of the population can have this condition. And it's not tested simply by you going to your doctor and having your doctor test what's called TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. The only reason I was lucky enough to have it diagnosed in me, and I, I was just not, I was not feeling right kind of up and down. And when I would get sick, I would be sick for a really long time. And this was back in 2014. And I went to a doctor and said, you know, I'm just not feeling right. And I'm a woman. So what do women do? And what is guys sometimes do this too. And I hate when they do it's like, well, there's something, uh, the, the reason you're upset is because you're hormonal. Women don't want to hear that. Don't tell us that guys. Right. But sometimes we women, we say, yeah, I'm not feeling right. It must be hormones. We, we want to be the ones to identify that, right, and think about it if, if it could be hormones. We don't want you guys doing it. Anyway, I go to the doctor, test the hormones. I'm not feeling right. And he tests all that, but he also tests what are called antibodies. There are these antibodies called TPO, thyroid peroxide something, I don't know, TPO. TPO are the antibodies that the primary ones that you test for this. And if it's elevated among us, you know, above a certain level, then you're said to have this condition of Hashimoto's and it's corroborated also by looking at your thyroid under an ultrasound and and they did that with me as well so okay I've got this condition and I thought I kind of had it on cruise control and that I was going to be able to just sort of eat what I want within reason not be too bad and take a little bit of thyroid medication and be healthy generally and everything was going to be fine and then Last week, I got some test results showing that probably mine is progressing a little bit. And because autoimmune is a concern of mine and my family in general because of family history with autoimmune, other autoimmune diseases that are more horrible than this, you know, I'm going to get it under control. But yeah, if they're going to throw me into some sort of a socialized medicine framework, I'm concerned about my ability to access the latest and best treatments about this, right? Because what most people do when you go with this Hashimoto's thing is the doctor will say, oh, yeah, we'll just put you on thyroid supplement medication and you're going to just be on it for your whole life. And eventually your thyroid's going to give out and just kind of give up. And it turns out that if you can address the underlying immune system attack on the thyroid that you don't go that route and maybe your thyroid gland won't give out in the end so that there are other routes to go. And I'm looking into some new potential exciting drug therapies that are available for this and stuff. That's what we can do right now where we still have a semi-free medical system and where the government doesn't dictate what things I can have access to. As it is though, there's a drug that I'm looking at. It's um, low-dose naltrexine or something. I forget how you pronounce it. Let me, let me see if I can do a better job. 
low-dose naltrexone. Low-dose naltrexone is something that they're looking at for autoimmune disorders in general, and maybe this. Suppose the government's going to say, oh, no, you can't have low-dose naltrexone. As it is right now, in order to get it, you have to have it compounded because the FDA hasn't approved the low-dose use yet, and it's it's kind of an off-label use. But you can at least go and you can get these things. What's going to happen under socialized medicine when you are not allowed to take charge of your health and just, you know, go to a doctor and pay him cash and actually ask him to give his real opinion about what your treatment protocol should be as opposed to what he's allowed to tell you. Imagine you're one of the people who shuttered on, you know, shuffled onto Medicaid in one of these States that's going to be an eager adopter of this Medicaid expansion until 2020 or whatever it is. You're thrown onto Medicaid. Medicaid has a per person cap. And then suddenly, what is it? You run out at 65. You've been on Medicaid and at 65, they say, oh, sorry, you used your cap. You get no more health care for the rest of your life. You can just die now. Is that what it's going to be? That's pretty scary. And that's not where we want our tax dollars going to government sucking you into this program, and then rationing your care. And and that seems to be what the Republicans are willing to, to sell us down into. Uh, you know, Part of my reason for telling you about the Hashimoto's, yeah, every, everybody's got their personal stake. A lot of people who listen to the show, they all have their own medical conditions that they're concerned about. And I know that even if they repealed Obamacare completely, suppose they did a clean repeal right now, they would mess up a number of people's treatment plans because the people would lose whatever insurance that they had gotten under the Obamacare scheme. And it wouldn't be their fault. It's the government that foisted them into that in the first place. They lost their old insurance. They got a different insurance under Obamacare, and then they would lose that if it was repealed. Government would mess everybody up under this. I'm just giving you my personal example. At this point, it's not a concern because the treatment for what I'm doing is is fairly cheap. But at some point down the road, maybe some of the things that I want to do, they're talking about using cold lasers to regenerate thyroid tissue and stuff. It's exciting, but maybe it'll be sort of expensive and maybe the government doesn't want me having access to those sorts of treatments. Uh, I don't want government in charge of my health care in general. We could go back to Trump, you know, Trump, ah, oh, that critic. Don't give her the health care she needs. I mean, that's the scary kind of stuff that we imagine for the future. We've got single payer and stuff. That's the reason that we need to be vigilant about government power in the space of freedom of expression because they have power over so much of the rest of our lives as well. But my message to you guys with respect to Hashimoto's is if you've just gone to your doctor every year and only gotten that TSH checked, and you haven't gotten checked for antibodies, you can't just rest easy, especially if you think you're having some sort of symptoms. If you think you're having some sort of symptoms, you're not feeling quite right, look into it, get the antibodies checked. Hopefully you're in a healthcare system or you can, you you know, you can go, there's, I should become an affiliate of this because I'm going to tell you about it, but I'm not. Uh, It's direct labs, directlabs.com. You can just go if you're in the United States and order whatever test you want, go out and get tested. You don't have to mess with the doctor at all. And do it on your own time. Just go straight to the lab, get it done. So it's a cool thing that we can still do in the United States. Is that going to be legal for the foreseeable future? There's a lot of things that technology can put at our disposal, and we want to be able to take advantage of all the great 
benefits both in the delivery of healthcare in general. Like I said, directlabs.com, you just go and grab all this uh, great, you know, whatever blood tests you want or um, access to just new and exciting treatments. Are people going to continue to develop new drugs and new treatments for conditions in the context of socialized medicine around the world? Scary. Some scary stuff. Anyway, you guys, um, let me go back and let me see if I left anything off of the program notes. That was really the last that I have for today. What I want to do on Wednesday, I want to switch to something that's a more positive topic. It's at least a lot more hopeful. There have been a number of court rulings in favor of the protection of privacy, upholding the Fourth Amendment in the context of search and seizures, particularly of phone, cell phone tracking and things like that. I want to get into that because some of these, and these are lower court rulings, so we don't know exactly what's going to happen at Supreme Court, but it'll be nice if we can. I don't know what's going to happen with healthcare between now and then. We'll have to watch that, but it'll be nice to shift a little bit to some good news. So I want to spend a good you know, part of Wednesday talking about privacy and I'll put myself in a better mood that way because some of these rulings are quite good. So look forward to that. Go to the blog, don'tletitgo.com, if you want to continue the conversation about this. You can check out, like I said, my old post about Attack Watch. And, you know, if you're someone who has been more supporting Trump and his statements on this NFL thing, maybe if you read Attack Watch, maybe you might understand more where I'm coming from on, on this issue. Okay, everyone? Thank you. You guys take care. And I will talk to you Wednesday again. It's 3 p.m. Eastern time and noon Pacific time.